Yate, hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat. Thank you. Yaate, welcome back. This is your host, Vicki Oldman. I am in complete gratitude about today. And I just want to also say thank you, Ekehat, for giving me some grace to tee up a month later. I will say, interesting enough, I've been talking to colleagues and people that I know. A lot of folks took off three extra weeks, the first three weeks of January before they geared up for 2022. So that just made me feel really good knowing that, hey, we can set what we need to take care of ourselves. So I didn't feel too bad. (laughs) I was sort of beating myself up and trying to get back to work and whatnot. But so thank you. And, you know, my love project I refer to, I really want to always just honor how I do the work. I don't want to feel the pressure in trying to get a beautiful story for you. And and it's really for me too, the medicine that I hear and the love and just the learnings from our relatives. I I really want to do a good job and just sort of honor them. I think the last podcast I had mentioned to the guests, there was three of them about my 2021 learnings and my, what I want to take into 2022. And what I've been hearing from folks is like, thank gosh, you know, that 2021 is over. It's done. You know, this is going to be a better year. Like I hear people say that and it actually really surprises me because every year there's learnings. There are going to be highs and there are going to be lows. And those lows are really learning moments. They are like hard emotionally, spiritually, physically. And if we really sit with those moments, their wisdoms that we have learned or that maybe someone's watching us that they're learning from. So I I just wanted to just let you all know how we have to be mindful about what we say. So I just wanted to just offer that in terms of 2021, 2022, as we go into each day, how are we going to step into that day? Actually, that's a beautiful transition to poem. I got this new book. It's called Wisdom Lessons. Spirited Guidance from Ojibwe Great-Grandmother, Mary Lyons. I wanted to read this um, piece that she wrote, and I think it really ties a lot to how I am reflecting about what we say about our learnings. Okay, let me read this poem. The poem is called Positive Growth, Finding Balance, and it begins like this. When you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, You can either jump into the craziness or you can be silent for a moment to better understand that this is not about you. Which do you usually pick? The craziness is not always about you. When a person cannot understand their pain, 
They will carry the weight until it gets so heavy they have to drop it somewhere, maybe at your door. Have you ever found yourself attracting mean-spirited people? What was your reaction to their behaviors? Did you join in on their craziness? Did you think you were going to put them in their place? Did you linger on negative conversations? Did you try to get other people to agree with your reactions? Did you break down and cry with resentment? After all was said and done, how did you feel? Life can be like walking on a tightrope. We like the high of the adrenaline rush. That was a little hard for me to say. Not realizing that we have sensory disorders. We forget that we have to know ourselves before we can know others. On the tightrope of life, I choose balance. What I choose today will determine future feelings. I will take responsibility for my actions. I choose to be aware of not going into other people's spaces and not allowing others to stomp on mine. Life is good today, and I choose happiness. Hmm. Beautiful. (sighs) Yeah, there's so much there to really have conversation about, and I really hope it sits with you in some way or another. I wanted to read that again, and that's Wisdom Lessons by Mary Lyons. All right. So, can't wait to introduce my guest for 2022, third season. This is season three. I cannot believe I've been doing this for three years. Well, I'll be, I'm going into my third year. So, I'm super excited. So, if you haven't followed me on Instagram or Facebook, I do have a page for Real Native Roots. Love for you to follow. I try to give updates and tidbits. And when I have release, you'll see a description of who I interviewed, at least a picture of them. And sometimes I do little videos just so you know what I'm doing. So I asked my Deja Geja, which means little sister in Navajo. So I thought this is perfect because she knows me. She knows our family. She knows where we played and knows me more than what is being seen on the social media platform. I feel like a lot of times the social media platform is a facade. You don't really know what's going on behind the smiles and the fun excursions or whatever. And I do my best to try to be authentic and I'm not afraid to be vulnerable and share And so I asked my cousin's sister, she's a beautiful woman, a strong woman, amazingly smart. She's a mother, a sister, a daughter, a niece, a friend to many. And I'm just inspired by her. Her name is Lydia Edgewater, Sister Yat. A welcome our listeners. Say hello to them. Oh, Yat, Vicky. Thank you for that very nice introduction. It's really (laughs) <laughs> getting me in my field, so it's great. Yeah. Oh, though I know to. Yeah. Um. She a Lydia Edgewater in the year. I do hush hush nish. I do look at me. I was just chin. But I think that's she don't have a hat. I do I see. Um. That na shahi a red mesa wuli he tell the cheat as can a I do na shado. Um. Can tell the wuli he flagstaff a I do shando a I do na shando. So thank you. So my name is Lydia Edgewater. I'm of the Mud Clan, um, born for the Reed people. 
My maternal clan is within Fulda Arms and my paternal clan is Water's Edge. I'm originally from Red Mesa, Arizona, and I currently reside and work in Blackstaff, Arizona. Yeah, sister, thank you for translating that for our non-Dene relatives. <laughs> we have folks from all over listening, so I want to just thank you for the translation. So first of all, Ayahat for joining. Thank you for saying yes. I feel so at ease knowing that you're right there and I can see your beautiful face. <laughs> and so I want folks to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. So I think it's always good to know a little bit of a background of people before you can tell them what you do now. Just kind of paint a picture. So I grew up in Red Mesa, as Vicki mentioned. My mom is the oldest of 10 children. Growing up in Red Mesa was a lot of fun. Got to see cousins. We got to play. I grew up with uh, a sibling who had special needs. So growing up was a lot of fun. We got to all play with my sister, my older sister. And so that's a little bit of my upbringing. I don't want to get too deep yet, but I kind of, I went to school, graduated and decided to go to Northern Arizona University. There I got my bachelor's in chemistry and wanted to do pharmacy school, but things always happen for a reason, like we say. So didn't go to pharmacy school, but I did do continued education for my master's at Northern Arizona and analytical chemistry. Yeah. And then had my daughter along the way and then started working. So from my chemistry degree, I had my first job at Fuji Selman Electronics in Mesa, Arizona. So that was the first time I actually got to live in the city and <laughs> got to, I got a taste of what it is to be, quote unquote, an urban Indian. But lived there for a few years, managed to get a job and come back to Flagstaff. Had a new appreciation for the mountain town and everything. And so currently I work as a scientist for a medical device company. We manufacture and build medical devices. So as a scientist, I'll do test method development, helping our customers with testing needs and so forth for submission, FDA submission and, and different things like that. So that's my current commitment or my current job now. I've been there for about eight years. Love it. And I have a daughter. So my daughter's 11 years old. She's very active, keeps me really busy with a lot of her different activities, chess, swimming, basketball, learned a lot about those different things, especially chess. I didn't know anything about chess until within the last five years. So she's kind of our little Bobby Fisher. <laughs> um, and uh, some hobbies that I do. So recently I've really gotten into weightlifting. It's really given me a sense of community, a place where I really can be myself, really be myself. and. I have a really good best friend that I've been lifting with for the last five years. And last year, we kind of decided to, to just go with our gut and say, hey, let's do a powerlifting competition. So yeah, kind of completed that at the end of last year and really slingshot my goals for that into this year. And so it's, it's really been something, trying something new and Again, just that uncomfortableness, but willing to learn and try it. So it's been good. Um, so that's a little bit about, well, my job, a little bit of a background, and then my hobbies and my daughter. 
Najona, mm-hmm. thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. And I also appreciate you practicing boundaries. That's one thing I know that in this world, a lot of us don't learn about that. And that was beautiful in terms of modeling and did it so gracefully. My little daughter, she's so cute, Bobby Fisher. I love that. I am not good at chess, so she might have to teach me how to play chess. I can't even imagine having seven moves. I mean, like, I don't even know how, where to put the first move. <laughs> so, but she's amazing. I just love watching her and seeing her grow. And such a, it just shows how much you as a mother are really just making sure she experiences as much as she can. And I have to say, when I watch you on the powerlifting, that the last video you had posted, I literally, I'm not lying. I was watching and I literally started crying. I was like crying of happiness for you. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, my sister is such a badass. And I was just so happy for you. I felt the joy. I could see how hard you worked towards that. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to be doing in 2022. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny that last lift that I did, I knew I had it. I knew it was in the bag. I felt very confident when I walked up to the bar. And it's it, it was a really surreal moment after. I started crying after I went behind the curtain. I was like, oh my gosh, I did that. How amazing. And you think about all the hard work that you put in, all the complaining I did about backup sets. I don't want to do this. This, uh -uh." (laughs) And and everything, you forget about all that. And so that, that moment was really, it was really surreal. And so thank you for that. Yeah, it was, it was just, I, I get goosebumps when I think about it again. (laughs) It is. And one thing that you said that just made me think about anything that we do, it's it's the prep, right? It's all the prep that you do for that one moment. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So I had asked my sister to come on for us to talk about 2021. I had some amazing guests uh, last year. And the other thing that I love about this podcast journey is that I'm picking up beautiful friends along the way, like all these wisdom keepers that I've learned so much from, and we just continue to build our relationships uh, as we go forward. I wanted to have my sister come on to talk about it, who she was drawn to, where she was most curious, and also for me to share. I mean, like all of them I love, you know, I, I took away something from each guest that I had on. And I've had people reach out and say, oh, this one I really got into. And this one was like hard for me to connect. And this one was too hard for me. It made me cry and I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I appreciate you all listeners telling me what you're drawn to and what you learn from and also how it's sitting with you. What do we learn? So I actually wanted to tee us up with, speaking of blood relatives, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were about when my niece, Anne-Marie, interviewed me. First of all, to say, I was so excited when I asked her and I said, "Hun, will you interview me? Will you be on the podcast? She's I would love to, Auntie. She did that all on her own and how she prepared for that particular podcast. And so I'd be curious what your thoughts were on that. So when I first saw the, the title, I thought of when she had her kinalta, her puberty ceremony at your dad's house. And we went over there to go help with the cake and everything. That was the first thing I thought of. And I was like, oh yeah, she had this ceremony and this is so many years later. She's a young lady now. I haven't really seen her since then. 
So I was really intrigued by the questions that she had asked you and a little bit of her questioning on like growing up at home. What was that like for you? So I was really, really impressed with her questions and how she kept going and she kept asking. And so that was the one thing I thought of is just like um, time goes by so fast. And I, like I said, I remember her ceremony and then here she is as a young woman developing her own thoughts, her own questions, her, her curiosity and everything as an individual. And it's just like, wow, um, in Navajo, they say, wait, oh, you know, wow, how, how far along has this young individual kind of blossomed into this young woman? So I was really, really impressed and touched with how she conducted herself and the questions she asked. So that was the first thing I thought. And it made me feel a little emotional. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that mom in me or or what it was, but I, I really liked the questions she had asked and kind of taking you back and allowing you to reflect on your time when growing up on the res, what it is like to being an older sibling, having those responsibilities and so forth. So I, I, I really resonated when you were talking about that in a sense you know, speaking of my sister and her special needs. So I was the youngest, but I grew up taking care of my sister. So really learning those responsibilities, taking care of her, feeding her um, and, and everything. So when you were sharing that, I thought of my sister Charlotte a lot. And and then growing up the, on the res, like as we get older, sometimes we kind of, um, we forget, you get so caught up and things and you you forget to reflect back on on a time that was just like wow i i i took those times for granted i should have played in the dirt more i should have done this more but then it's like i get to redo it now with my child and so you know it, it was kind of just really neat to just really see and hear Anne marie and then again you sharing your growing up on the reservation and then the older sibling, being the older sibling, and then having those responses. Mm, so shout out to Anne-Marie, just letting you know, you did a wonderful job, honey, and I love you so much, and I know you're going to hear this one, so <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you, hun, for for showing up, and I just, I love what my sister here is sharing about seeing you grow up gracefully and you becoming your own person. So shout out to you, love. All right. Thank you for that. All right. You're up. Okay. So the next one I really want to talk about is really because of the journey I've taken in the last year or so. So I've mentioned my power lift. I've also been really working on my nutrition, trying to eat to fuel my body so that I could do these lifts. Along the way, I've kind of re rediscovered the importance of food. A quick story. Growing up, we used to joke with my grandma Bessie and we, they would cook food and it's really good, delicious food. You got greasy meat, you got some corn and everything. And then we would say, no, we're just going to have salad because we're on a diet. And I remember <laughs> she'd be like, diet, they done. You know, I don't like it. That's all I hear is that we're on diet. What does that mean? You shouldn't deprive your body of food. And so I I thought of that 
conversation with grandma and now going on my journey of really like undoing years of horrible culture diet around what you should eat, what's bad for you, what's a bad food and everything. Like just realizing how much of that is just ingrained and has traumatized us in, in, in regards to food and really reconnecting with food this year. So with your first episode with Nephi, I really thought a lot about, I remember when we would have family dinners and I would watch my grandma's oldest sister, Mary Kay, when we would eat, as soon as they're done, they, they bless themselves, they put it on their hand, they start praying, you know, they would say that from this food, I'll feel better. It'll nourish me. It'll replenish my strength. That's what I will always remember. And I would think, why are they praying? Like, why are they doing that? It's just mutton. It's just corn and squash. <laughs> I remember thinking that. And so when he talked a lot about how food is alive, the creation story, how it is a form of healing and reflecting, like that's what grandma was doing. Grandma was thankful and gave acknowledgement to the power of food and what it's given, what it's giving her. And so it, it really reminded me of that and my personal journey of undoing, just living in a toxic environment of food, it being bad. You shouldn't eat this. You shouldn't do that. And it's like, but it makes me happy. It feeds my soul. It's giving me the strength to, to do things and move and things like that. So I really, that, that podcast really resonated with me and it made me feel very emotional because again, it took me back to a time of our elders and the small interactions I saw and had with them. So that was how that, that first episode resonated with me. Yeah. Chef Nephi is like badass. I'll just say that he's amazing and he blew my mind the first time I heard him. And then when I asked him to be on he blew my mind again. <laughs> what I appreciate about him too is that he's constantly learning. My favorite thing when he had said is like one single kernel of corn is like a SIM card. That blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I didn't think that way. I was like, holy moly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We could probably spend this whole time talking about it, <laughs> but I'm glad that you really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the story that you brought in with our relatives and how they appreciated food and what they asked for when they ate the food. All right. So I actually want to go with one of my other guests. She made me want to cry. I tell you, she was amazing. It was Valerie. and She did the focus on rematriation and returning to the sacred to the mother. I could listen to her for like forever. I just took so much from her. You know, this is my um, reflection of it is if we want this world to change and we want people to treat each other better, it starts with us. You have to start with yourself. You have to love yourself first before you can go out and help others. And the other thing that I love that she had said was she gave a whole bunch of tips at the end, but one that really just struck me was she says, pray powerfully. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoy that episode for sure because, and it, for me personally, I, I grew up, you know, it really on the res always at Grandma Bessie's house and in and, and that life. And more recently, I felt like I just 
disconnected from a lot of the teachings and stories and things. And especially after her passing, I felt there was a really huge disconnect. And she had mentioned that as a part of it, where the thing that stood out to me was the orchards. So when her, you know, when when the grandparents had passed on and nobody took care of the orchard trees, it, it really net re resonated with me in terms of our family when my grandma had passed and all my grandma's sisters had gone and this whole generation of teachers are gone. And after that, I really, I, I, I will be honest, I didn't want to go home. I didn't like being at home. It was just like a sense of loneliness and void. And so when she talked about that and how the tree is dying, we should do something about it. We should bring back to life the tree because they wouldn't let it become this way. And so that really resonated, I think, in a sense that I think sometimes we have resentment. We have different feelings after something that we've been around for so long is no longer there. and We can't figure how to adapt. And so moving all the trash I had to do that metaphorically. Remove all this trash. What is really bothering you? What's really the problem, Lydia? Why do you not want to reconnect? That's what it resonated with me. And it made me emotional too, because it took me back to a time of when I didn't have that resentment, when I didn't want to be there or want to go back. And the tree's dying. Do you really want to cut that tie and let the roots into the tree of this die? No, we, we got to clean up. We got to do what we got to do in ourselves and, and reconnect, bring it back. So that was what really resonated with me as well. And, and again, praying. I remember always being told, pray. And I was like, who's even listening to me? You know, I'm like 10 years old. I'm like, who's listening? Who's going to even listen to this? I don't know. Like, what do I say? And I remember having this conversation with Grandma Bessie and I'm like, well, who's going to listen to me? Who's listening? And then she's like, everything is listening. And so mm -hmm. it was always, you pray, you identify yourself, you say, hey, I'm your child. I need help with this. I need you to guide me. I need you to give me strength. And that really didn't hit for me until I had my daughter and had gone through a really hard time. I remember praying every morning when I would drive to work, just wanting to get out of the situation that I was in and feeling trapped. And then I remember visiting Grandma Bessie and talking to her and telling her, praying's not doing anything for me. I'm still stuck here. Nothing's happening. Losing hope. And then her telling me, it's going to come. Just keep praying. And, and so just that reconnection of just, Praying is a form of self-meditation. It's actually a form of like organizing your thoughts, getting your feelings out. Um, so that was what I really liked. And it was just all beautifully intertwined with the garden, orchard, the teachings and everything. It, it really did make me feel like, yeah, it's not just because grandma said it. it it's a way of life for a lot of us. And we, we tend to lose it. We tend to disconnect. And it's important that we have to reconnect again. So I, I really enjoyed that. Love, 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 love. <laughs> All right. Who do you want to talk about next? 
So another one that resonated with me was Carol. So she reminded me a lot of my mom in terms of relocation program, moving off the reservation, living off the reservation for my mom and my mom being a nurse, going to school and coming back and really trying to provide for her community and the stories she shared about the grandma with her medicine bundle really as if you haven't noticed I was really close to my grandma so that reminded me of our grandmas and how they carried and conducted themselves and things like that so I I really enjoyed that one yes thank you for lifting Carol she's known me since high school every time I saw Carol I just thought gosh she's so beautiful and the way she carries herself is always so graceful So one thing I'll just say, sis, is when I am picking people or when I ask people, I'm actually really following my intuition, my gut. It's like, it almost feels like an invisible rope is like pulling me to that person to pull them in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I want somebody, I pull them in and it won't work out. The point of me telling all of that is like, Carol was one that I just kept I don't know. My mind kept going to her. Like you need to interview her, bring her in. And I just, what I really uh, appreciated is how vulnerable she was about sharing. She went to school and it was hard. She had said, I had to actually learn to ask for help. I think that's one of the hardest things as, as humans is like, we're too proud or we're too embarrassed. We're too shy. Right. But mm-hmm. she's like, I had to look for tutors. I had to do this. And, and I loved at the end how she was saying, you need to work on your leadership skills. And I think that's applicable in anything, like even within family dynamics, when, you know, something happens or a ceremony needs to happen, or, you know, we have a loss or somebody's celebrating it, like that takes leadership skills too, to listen, to navigate conversations, to try to bring everybody in together. So when she said that, I was like, yeah, I think that's an ongoing sort of thing is, asking for help and also really cultivating yourself to, to be a leader. Cause I feel like every one of us is a leader and some of us don't want to be in that role, but you know, there'll always be a time when you're going to have to show up in that way. Yeah, most definitely. And I think what she had talked about her vulnerability of, you know, when she would work with non-English speaking um, patients and how they would scold her and she knew that she would be scolded for a little bit and then yeah. would be like, okay, and then kind of go and, and do her best every day. I, I really, I could really relate to that in, in a sense of, yeah, you know, we, we are trying, we are doing our best and, and, and then just sharing that. Cause like you said, we don't really share some of those trials and tribulations that we can, we often go through. So I, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed her story and the nurse. And it was, I smile when you asked her, so are your, any of your kids going into nursing? And, and because I used to get that with my mom being a nurse, how come you didn't go into nursing? And for me, it's because I saw what it did to my mom in a sense of it was, it's a very, very selfless job. It's mm. very emotionally taxing. And so you, I feel you have to be a really strong person to be a nurse and seeing some of the things my mom has gone through after a day's work, I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can come home and, and, and be okay if something like that happened at work 
So I, I, I was like, I'll just hang out in the lab and that, that'll be my jam. So <laughs> I love the fact that you even just reflected on, was I designed for that? Because that's something you think about, like in the work that we're doing, like what did creator design me to do? What is my gift? And you sat like, yeah, that's not my jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. That's so cute. So I actually wanted to go to Monopolaka. That podcast was called Sacred Responsibility, Womanhood. I fell in love with Mona. We went to ASU together way back in the day and reconnected again. And I just saw her doing so much work internationally. And there was so much there. I want to go here, there. You know how sometimes when someone's talking, you get goosebumps. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to her, I got goosebumps when she was talking about the first time, the first time becoming a woman, right? When you have your kinata, the first time you become a mother, the first time you give birth, the first time the baby latches on when you're feeding the baby. Those are all first times. When she said that, it blew me away. Then she said the first time being a grandmother. And then my heart melted. I was like... Yeah, one day, one day I'm going to be a grandmother and, oh, I'm going to probably be, I'm like about to cry now Yeah, <laughs> to know like what that joy will be, you know, to, yeah, to see the continuum of us, of Nully, of the people before us and seeing this beautiful baby, right? And, and I'll have the joy of being the grandmother for the first time. Ah. Let me stop. You you can't you you carry on from this point. But that is what really that struck me when she had said the first time. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So kind of going off of what you had said the first time. So I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was actually scared to tell Grandma Bessie I was pregnant. And so I told her and then she looked at me and then she goes. The first thing she said to me was, you make sure you work. You work throughout this pregnancy. You continue to do things. Don't just lay around and just get really big and not work. You know why? Because your heartbeat is the first thing that baby hears. And she needs to know what a strong woman's heartbeat sounds like. And I was like, okay, so... Going through my pregnancy, I work, fix fence, haul woods. <laughs> this is funny. So I think I was about eight, nine months pregnant. I was almost close to my due date and we hauled woods and we dropped it off. And then she asked me, she goes, did you haul woods? I go, yeah, you told me to keep working and haul woods. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you crazy? You could fall. You could get hurt. Not like that. <laughs> I was like, but you told me to work, grandma. <laughs> and so it's just like, again, those first experiences, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, I was pretty young. And then when I had her, when I was about to have her, she was like, this is how it's going to be. This is what you're going to expect, you know, and, and everything. And so when they have their first cry and everything, you know, you, you're going to be there and you're going to experience it. And it's going to be something unlike anything you've ever experienced. And so I was like, okay. So I remember when I had my daughter, I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do when I have her. I did those things. And then the first laugh, you know, that's always celebrated in our culture and tradition. So that 
that the infant can be a generous person. So really celebrate that first laugh and then, and then everything going forward, first steps, first day of school, (laughs) everything. It really did resonate with me as a mom too, because I didn't understand what those things meant until you see a human, you bring a human into the world and you see all these first things and you're like, wow, I created that. That person had their first breath, like she was saying, their first cry, first time they touched the earth. And the first time they feel the sun on their face and they're playing and just things like that, it really does take you back. And it, it really did make me emotional too, as, as a mom, but, and then kind of reflecting on your own first is like, oh, wow. I was walking when I was listening to that and I had just stopped and just really listened and, and took that all in because I think 11 years after having my daughter, you think about that moment in time. Sometimes things are moving fast and you can't really relish and really sit in it. So it was good that I I was really, I I really enjoyed that. And what gave me chills was when she had also talked about the International Council of the 13 um, Indigenous Grandmothers. Again, it takes me back to when I grew up and we had all these grandmas and my grandma and all her sisters and how we would have ceremonies and uh oh when's missing somebody's got to go and pick her up because she's probably trying to find a way to come to this ceremony so we always had somebody out driving and bringing them in and love it hearing their their light-hearted banter on <laughs> disagreements with no that's not how it is and this that, that's what it really reminded me of that that happiness of what grandmas give. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. I just have to say this one other thing that I really appreciated that she had shared is when her mom, and it reminded me of my papa, but her mom, you know, helped sort of recreate like a kinlata ceremony because they couldn't do it or they didn't have access. There's things were going on. So her mom was really just encouraging, like, all you need to do is go out and greet the sun. All you need, just very simple. And my papa always says that to me. He, he tells me and my boys, again, pray, pray. He says, you don't need to have a whole you know, full on ceremony. You just got to have water. Just go out and pray and have the water. Or every now and then roll up some tobacco and really pray kind of goes back to Valerie, like pray powerfully, right? I just wanted to just point that out because I feel that sometimes we feel that we need to have certain things done, um, go out and and pray for yourself and pray for everything around. And just having a glass of water is all you need, you know? So I wanted to just point that out. Yes. Okay. So um, one that I've really uh, resonated with as well was Shay's story, I thought, was very, very touching in a sense of he shared his story of the the obstacle he had encountered growing up on the reservation, being faced with the stigma of being an ex-gang member and convict and dealing with chemical dependencies and, and different things and how he how he really described that People and things happen for a reason. And again, 
I'm bringing grandma back up. <laughs> grandma will always say, There's a reason why these things happen. There's probably, there's a teaching that comes with these things that happen. You have to figure out what that is. You have to find out. How strong are you? Can you do it? So I, I, that's really what I thought of when he mentioned that. It really did take me back to when we, when we do believe that there are certain people who come into our lives for a certain reason, for us to have a self-realization, to challenge and, and make us uncomfortable with thoughts of things that we may not even think of on our own. Like he mentioned, he didn't think anything of it. But the persistency of these people coming in and pushing and, and planting the seed, I, I always think that it takes one person to plant a seed and then they keep watering it and they keep coming back with that persistency. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I, I think I could do it. I, I probably can. I, I want to do it. And so that really resonated with me and along with how he discussed about spiritual maturity which is very, I, I can definitely relate that as I'm getting older, I start reflecting back on things, not so much in my, you know, twenties or anything. I didn't really, you're just living and you don't think of these <laughs> things. And as you get older, you become a parent and then you start thinking of these things and you're like, yeah, like that does have meaning. There's a reason why they used to say that. I get it. That's why that person came into my life and taught me this story or taught me this lesson in my life. Okay, cool. And another tool in my toolbox for me to use to, to continue to help myself. Yeah, I love Shay. Shay is, he's great. I, I appreciate everything you said. Yes, all of that. And I would say two things in addition is like, I love how he was always hustling. <laughs> Like regardless of the situation, he was always finding creative ways to survive, to make money. And it just made me think about unemployment or people who may not have skills. Like somehow or another, he still managed. And what he did though, is like when he did some of the side hustle, part of it was like building on his skill, like he's an artist. And then now he has his own tattoo shop. And the other thing I really appreciate about him, besides the hustle, is how big his vision is. He's got like a big vision. And I feel that we all need to be thinking big. That's what makes us grow. We're not going to, we're not going to succeed in every way or route to get to that vision, but slowly we'll get there. So I love how big his vision is and his dreams and how he's going for it. Yeah, most definitely. And, and then with art, like just really having that. And, and, and that's another thing we have so many of our native people who are very talented in, in art and doing things with their hands, creating things with their hands. It's very unique. And so I will be honest, I've never really had an appreciation for art because I'm a very analytical person and I'm like, okay, this is why this and this happens and this is this pattern. But my daughter has really taught me a lot about art. She loves to draw. She's always painting. She's always doing all forms of art. And so I look at her and then I remember she's like, mom, let's draw a picture. And I'm like, I, I don't know, Linnea, like, I, I'm not, I'm not good at drawing. She goes, don't be 
think about it. Just just draw what you feel. <laughs> it was so hard, but it opened a different part of my brain. And now after seeing her creations and the thought and the story behind these things, and, and then seeing him being able to share that with people, express that in a way of having that as a part of his career, it's a very like a win-win you know, the person is getting the, the artwork that they want and he's expressing himself in that way. I thought that was really unique. And, and again, just coming from a new appreciation for art. I, I really like that. And I kind of looked on his Instagram just to really look at some of the artwork. And it's amazing. Amazing. It's just blew, blows my mind. <laughs> I love my little daughter. She's like, just draw what you feel it's like it's not that hard mom yeah. it made me, I love it because I remember my boys and I started to paint I was like pulling down YouTube videos and I was like going step by step and they literally said the same thing that like Gavin's like mom that's not how you do it I'm like well because I'm always aiming for perfectionism that's one thing yeah. I learned about myself is like okay, Vicki, you're going to mess up. You know, the first time you do, it's not going to be perfect. But in my mind, I'm always aiming for that. And so he's like, mom, just paint what you feel. He didn't say exactly like that, but that was what he was aiming for. So I love that. You need to remember that quote. (laughs) Do you have a tattoo? I do not. No. And that's the thing. I remember talking and I've wanted to get one for a long time. But then I got so overwhelmed with what I wanted and I couldn't, and I was like, and, and it has to be something, you know, and it has to resemble something. And I remember for a long time I wanted, but I didn't know of what. And so I've gotten to the point where I'm like, well, if it hasn't come to me, then it's probably not meant for me kind of a mm-hmm. thing. So I kind of, I'm sure one day, whatever I want, well, I'll see. And then that's when it will be, but it hasn't, it hasn't been that I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> it revealed itself. <laughs> well, yeah. I definitely, I've always wanted a tattoo and I'm going to get one before my next birthday. And I have an idea. It's coming to me and I'm just letting it, you know, what I, it's interesting when I go out and walk, I feel like that's when my ideas come or images come. So I have some ideas and I actually want to, so anyone who's listening, <laughs> I kind of want to talk to someone who, who has an artist's mind or skills and like, this is what I'm thinking. And they kind of sketch it a little bit before I take it to Shane. But anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I want to go to several different places, but I'm going where my intuition is telling me to go. I want to visit my three mentors. <laughs> and that's Sherry, Elsie, and Lori. And that podcast was called Lifting Those Before Us, Native Women Leading. So these women... I just love and adore. I look up to them. Talk about like aunties, right? Or older sisters. They they all have been very instrumental in my life and my career. But not even just my career, just as a woman. These women have, they're up there in leadership and pushing the envelope gracefully, but also very directly. And most of the work, the time frame they've been doing this work, even to this day, a lot of there are a lot of male leaders and they 
make sure, like, you know, they make sure that women are at the table. And I was really excited, first of all, just tell folks, I was really excited that they even said yes, because I didn't think they all would. I thought maybe one would, and then the other was like, no. And so I was like doing my happy dance when they all said yes. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yes. So I was just really pleased and honored that they even said yes. I took away a lot. I mean, the main thing I really, reason why I wanted them on here, all three, is because in Indian country, in my humble opinion, they're like legends. People respect them. And what I love about them, they're always so humble about what they're doing. I remember them saying, it's like, <laughs> one of them, um, there's Elsie, was just like, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> I just figured it out, right? And then, you know, one thing I remember that Sherry, I love some of her tips. One of her tips, she had many, but one that just stuck by me, and I was so thankful that I listened to my intuition, was she was saying, document, like write things down. And I have like stacks of journals, personal journals, but also work journals, you know, and my sons are like, why are you keeping this? Burn them, get rid of them. Like, no, you know, but I did say whenever I leave this plane, feel free to just make a big old bonfire. (laughs) But I have gone through some of them and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this time, you know? So I would underscore that to continue to like document because you never know what, that information can help later on. So there's that, but also Lori, who always honors culture bears, the elders, the community. And really she does her work from that place. And she's saying, we have to give back because we have to remember whose shoulders we're standing on. And I, I love when she had said, there are no new ideas and that we're really building from past experience and knowledge. And so there was just so much there from all three that... I wanted to pull, but I wanted to just kind of give a highlight of why I was so tickled when they said yes and who who they are and how much I just love and adore them all and just so honored that I continue to still work with them. Yeah, most definitely. I think one thing from there that really resonated was never feel like you can't be heard in a room full of men. Don't think that women aren't as smart and shouldn't and should be hurt. You know, personally in my work environment, I've struggled with this a lot and kind of really selling myself short sometimes when I'm in meetings. So a little bit of a background. So I sit on different standards for test methods. And so for a while I would travel a lot to DC to these standard meetings and these documents, once they start going under revision, you have all these representatives from different medical companies who are on this committee who provide input as to different things and recommendations to consider when they're revising these standards. And so I remember going a first few times, the very first time I went, I I remember thinking, I don't belong. I don't think I can do this. I, I, I don't feel I'm not smart like these people. I really just underselling myself and really feeling very intimidated being in a room full of people with PhDs and higher level degrees and lab managers and thinking, I don't, I don't have anything to put on the table. I have to say something. I have to, and then would try to sit, speak and then just be overshadowed by all these just intellects. And I remember thinking, ah, oh my gosh, I just want, I don't want to do this. And as, as I've, continue to go, I finally started to say, hey, I'm as deserving to be here as everyone else who's in here. I have every right to be here. I, I really had to pick myself up and 
learn how to talk. Like, like it says, learn how to be heard in a room full of men and really be persistent and really step out of my box and really feel that uncomfortableness. And so it's been a few years and now all of these are virtual, these meetings are virtual, but I remember just feeling that way and really resonating with that. Like, yes, it's a real thing and it, it's an unpleasant feeling. You really have to learn a skill set. And so hearing their stories of different things like that. And even, you know, I feel sometimes it's a, it's a double whammy if you're a native and then if you're a woman too, really Mm -hmm. trying to have to work almost twice as hard just to be heard. And so that, that's what really resonated me. And it kind of gave me motivation again, like, yeah, like, shoot, I can do this. Like, why was I worried? You know, sometimes I'll get, I'll have that, Mm -hmm. but that was one that really hit me. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Waving my fist around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for real. I, I'll say that I think Elsie on that podcast, she mentioned a vulnerable moment of mine when we, it wasn't actually the Federal Reserve Bank. It was the Office of Comp Control. And I think that's what it was, OCC. <laughs> anyway, it was like all these bankers and regulators. And I was moderating the panel. And it was my first time. It was like, for me, it was a big deal. I was like, oh my God, you know. And I was in the bathroom. I was starting to like hyperventilate. I was freaking out because I was like shaking my hand and I was sweating. I was looking in the mirror trying to like do deep breaths. And I just, it was my first time moderating something that big. And I was like scared. I'm like, oh, I've never done this before. And Elsie came and she's like, what's wrong? She just shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> you got this, you know, you got this. And when, now that you think back about it, I'm like, why else wouldn't I have been there? Why else would they have asked me, right? Like there was a reason why they saw something in me to, to hold the space. At that time, though, I was still just like, I've never done this. I'm freaking out. And yeah, um, I love those women. They're, they all, they're just amazing. And I, yeah, I think what you've pulled from that is so important about, yeah, we all deserve to be at that table. We all have a voice and let's let's lift that. But honoring women like them who, who've paid the path. They have really mm-hmm. paved the path for a lot of the work that we're doing. And we continue to build on those ideas.